Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. About, about those Brazil mission trips, and, and this, is, this is how invested our church is in missions, and we have a missions committee that manages a missions budget, and, and part of that is giving towards mission endeavors, obviously, but a big chunk of that budget goes to putting people in First Baptist Church on the mission field somewhere, and so it, it's, as you can imagine, it's, it's fairly costly to send somebody to the other side of the world, right, for a week or so. But our missions team, when we put the budget together and the cost for these Brazil missions, decided we're going to bring that cost down to $750 per person to go to Brazil. So it's, it's fairly manageable. And I'll just add this. There is a designated fund called Brazil Missions. If you can't go and you want to help somebody get that $750 to go, you can put that in there and that'll go towards those trips. So... I love that our church is, is actually putting our church members on mission. All right, last week we kicked off a new year with a new reading plan. How's that going so far? Has anybody gave up yet? You wouldn't tell me if you did, would you? But these are, I just want to point this out, these are still available. They'll be available all year. It's never too late to get on board reading. This plan is a little more reading than last year because last year, if you remember, we, we read through the Bible, but we really just hit the high marks. We didn't hit every chapter, every verse. This one, it's every chapter, every verse, and it does so in a chronological order, which means it does it in the way that things happened along time, which makes sense to me. Now, you'll see, just so there's no confusion in here, uh, every other day is italicized. I know it's kind of, I mean kind of hard to see, but uh, one day will be normal print, the next day will be italicized so you know what you're supposed to do every other day. Uh, I'm really, really, just in my personal time, enjoying reading through the Bible chronologically, so I hope you are too. Last week, we looked at the creation of mankind and God's special purposes in creating man and woman in his image. And of course, you've, hopefully you've read, as that story unfolds, right? It's not long before man sins. That's kind of where we left off last week, talking about man ruining that perfect relationship with his creator because of his sin. But then in, in, in the Bible, God immediately, I mean, just as soon as man falls, God turns and makes a promise. And it's, it's the greatest promise, I think, in Genesis. God basically says, I personally am going to deal with this issue of sin in the future by sending one through you who would, as he says, crush the head of the serpent and deal with man's sin for once and for all. So in a very short amount of time, I mean, you think about it as you read through the text, within the first six chapters of the Bible, this world gets so evil and so sinful and just out of control within six little chapters that God looks at it and determines he basically needs to start all over with one man and his family. 
And so we read that incredible story. One of my favorite stories, Noah and the ark and his family and, and all of that. And it, it's encouraging. It's, it's even hopeful to us, right? That, that among all the people that were alive at that time, there was at least one man God said was worthy enough to spare. But then what happens? Noah gets off the ark. His family gets off the ark. And folks, it's, it's just a matter of time before sin rears its ugly head once again. Even in Noah and Noah's family. And so that problem of sin really never goes away. It's always lurking. And for us even, it's always there. But fortunately, God has a master plan to save His masterpiece of creation. We talked about God's masterpiece last week. We're looking at His master plan this morning. And we're going to be in Genesis chapter 12. A lot of folks called Genesis 12 the turning point in God's master plan of salvation for the world. And so we're going to look at a man by the name of Abraham. Or Abram, as he's referred to in this passage. And Abram is the, just to give you some context, he's the great, 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 great grandson of Noah. Come out of Noah's son, Shem. That's eight great grandson, all right? And just like God chose Noah, out of all the people in the world, God would also choose Abram out of all the people in the world to be the one through whom he would carry out his plan and his promise to save people from their sins. Let's look at Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1. The Bible says this. It says, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, just as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. And when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the side of Shechem at the oak of Morah at the time the Canaanites were in the land. Verse 7 says, The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And from there he moved on to the hill country east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. He built an altar to the Lord there and he called, the he called on the name of the Lord. And then Abram journeyed by stages to the Negev. little background this morning because I think it's important to know where Abram's coming from. Abram and his family came out of the region that we refer to as Babylon. And then they came out, more specifically, out of the Ur of the Chaldeans. It's this area today that we know as Iraq and Kuwait. And in Genesis 11, if you go back, just one chapter tells us that Abraham's father decided to take his family out of that region which, let me just be honest, I totally understand. I've been to both of those places, and I would probably leave too. And so he, he takes them out of there towards the promised land, as we would refer to it later on. He moved them to Canaan, um, but they stopped short, just a little short of the land of Canaan, and settled in this place we read about here called Haran. Not Iran, but Haran or Haran, which we believe is probably south-central Turkey today, just to give you a little reference if you know the, the map of the Middle East. Good luck. But it's in this area, and it's in this context that God, the Creator, makes an appearance 
to man once again, right? And he comes to Abram and he tells Abram several key things. First, he says that Abram is to go to leave his home and his family, that he's making a, a special agreement, a covenant with Abram to make him into a great nation, to bless those who bless him, to curse those who curse him, to bless the entire earth through him. And then he says, I'm going to give your offspring all of this land that I'm going to show you. Now, I always ask this question. Why? Why is God doing this? Is there something special about this man, Abram? Is, is it really that he's such a good, great person that God would choose him out of everybody in the world? Well, no, it's really because this is part of God's master plan, the big picture plan. So God would set apart a people and a bloodline to bring his own son into the world. And he makes this people that he would protect, that he would bless. And he puts them in a land that would belong to them where they could thrive, where they could prosper. And then at just the right time in world history, the Messiah would come from that people in this land at that precise time to save us from our sins. And so looking at this passage with that big picture in mind, here's our big three takeaways this morning. The first one's this. My sin is a problem. Earlier this week, I picked Audrey Grace up from school, which is always an adventure, just to be honest with you. If you know Audrey, it was a, it was a, it's always a trip, man. And so I picked her up from school, and uh, she is asking me about getting saved. She, she wants to get saved. She's like, Daddy, I want, I want to be saved, and I want to be saved right now. I need to be saved today. And I was like, well, honey, let's slow down. I, I, I'm so thankful you do, but you're, you're five, so let's talk about this, right? Let's make sure you understand what's going on. So we get home, and I, and I sit her down, and, and I try my very best to explain the gospel in five-year-old terms, I try my best to, to talk about the, the problem of sin to a five-year-old and how sin is, is anything that God doesn't like. It separates us from God. And, and then we get into the big heavy stuff, which is, you know, honey, our sin is so bad, even the little sins that it, eventually it will send us to hell if it wasn't for Jesus. Right? Not everybody gets to go to heaven except for those who trust in Jesus and get Saved. And of course, she wants to be saved. So I wasn't really sure she was getting it, honestly. Okay? And so we, we kind of we talk more. We pray. We kind of let it go. Let it soak in for a little while. And later that night before bed, as she always does, she comes and she climbs up in my lap. And she's kind of giving me a good night hug. And she looks me in the face. Gets real close. And she just growls at me. <laughs> Which is not that uncommon. Okay? <laughs> so I, I didn't realize in this moment I was being tested. And so she growls at me. I don't think nothing of it. I growl back. She says, Daddy, you just sinned. I said, well, I, I guess I did. She said, yep, and you're going to hell. <laughs> I said, good Lord, kid. So. But she's, she's right. This five-year-old is right. That Not that I'm going to hell. That was not right. She, she's right that our sin, right? Even the smallest of small kid-sized sin is such a problem that, that even that will separate us from God to the point that, that we deserve an eternity in hell. And so prior to this point in Scripture, mankind's sin, again, had gotten so bad and corrupted the entire earth to the point that God, because He's holy and just, had to 
basically judged the entire world at one time. And then after the flood, like we said, sin continues to reign and, and man could never escape sin or the consequences of sin. He couldn't avoid it. It was always there. He could never overcome it. And then we see that there's just this path of death and destruction in sin's wake all throughout history. And then out of all the people, God looks down and He chooses this one man by the name of Abram to begin dealing with this problem that we call sin. And what we have to recognize today is that just as sin was a big enough deal for literally God to destroy the entire world, my own sin, it's a problem. And I know that we make light of it and we, we try to justify it sometimes, but my sin, my personal sin, still separates me from a holy God and deserves God's righteous judgment, just like it did in the day of Noah. It creates death. It creates destruction. It destroys my life, often from the inside out. And even for the very best of the best of us, we just can't get away from it. But thankfully, this is what we're, we're hitting on this morning. Thankfully, God had a plan, didn't he? And so the next thing we see, this is our next big takeaway, is that God not only uh, realized we had a problem, but he made a provision for that problem, which is typically what God does. Even in the middle of man's mess, God was redeeming. God, like this master conductor, was orchestrating people and events and even world history that would result in man's salvation. And even through Abram, even though he couldn't see the, the big picture, I don't think he got it. I think he was just following God one step at a time in faith. But still he was obedient to God's specific instructions. In this act of obedience, of just getting up and leaving your family, leaving your land, and following God in blind faith would land Abraham in the faith hall of fame over in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 11. And so God was basically setting up all these pieces for salvation to come to the whole earth. And even throughout Abraham's life and throughout the Old Testament, God would occasionally foreshadow and give us a glimpse into what he was doing and just show us little, little glimpses of his plan. For example, uh, one of my favorite stories in Abraham's life where God does this is when God foreshadows the sacrifice of Christ through Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac. There's so many parallels in there as you read through that this week. And even to the point where it would be the same place, the same area where many years later Christ himself would be crucified on Mount Moriah. You see, this is how our God works. We have a God who's always working. He's always moving. He's always doing things in your life and in your church and in your children and in your family, even when you don't see it. <laughs> even when, as we sang about, even when I don't feel God moving, God is there present and active and working in our lives all around us. The Bible says that our God is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. And truth, and, and listen, we see so many examples of that throughout Scripture. Think back to the beginning with Adam and Eve, for example. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, God had every right to just wipe that slate clean and say, Forget man. I don't need man. <laughs> but what did God do in that moment? I love the, the, what the Lord did for Adam and Eve. He didn't smite them, He didn't kill them, He gave them somewhat what they deserved. But he also showed grace. The Bible says when they were naked, the Lord God himself took skins and made clothes for these people. God essentially covered their sin and their shame with his own two hands. 
Again, when he had every right to destroy every person in the world, he spared Noah and his family, providing an ark for their salvation. The Bible says that God himself shut the door and sealed them in, saving them. And many years later, we'll see through this same bloodline of people, the same bloodline he was creating with Abram, in the same land that he promised to give to Abram's descendants, God once again, in his grace and mercy, would give his own son on the old rugged cross to save his people. I, this is what I, I, I've, my, my personal takeaway from our readings this, way, this week. Is that our God makes a way when there's no other way. When, it, when everything just seems hopeless around us, when it seems like our lives are falling apart, when we can't see past the sickness or the loss or the pain or the heartache or whatever it is, God is there doing something for our good. And when all of our plans fall apart, our God has a master plan that is at work in our lives and all around us. And God always provides exactly what we need exactly when we need it. And the third thing is this. God keeps his promises. He doesn't just say one thing and do something else. God's first promise comes in Genesis 3.15 and he kept that promise and every other promise he ever made. We get here to Genesis chapter 12, and God not only makes a promise to Abraham, but he makes a covenant with Abraham. And God would keep every promise that he ever made to this man so many years ago. Isn't that awesome? When you look back through, you realize Abraham's not just a figure in our Bibles. Abraham is a figure in world history. Two major religions in the world trace their lines. We'll make that three. Major religions in the world trace their lineage back to... Abraham. And God blessed this man. And later, he would even tell Abraham about the tough parts in the history of his descendants. He would tell Abraham, listen, your offspring, they're going to be bound for 400 years to a people that will uh, rule over them, that will be enslaved. But I'll tell you what, Abraham, I'm going to deliver them through that and not only save them from that slavery, but they're going to plunder the Egyptians on their way out of town. And God would keep every promise. And, and even when his people deserve to be kicked out of the promised land, God in his grace and mercy would still bring them back. And do you realize that ever since May 14th, 1948, Abraham's descendants have been in that very land? Is that not just mind-boggling that today the same people God said would live in this land are in that land that God promised to Abram all the way back in Genesis chapter 12? Again, I ask the question, why? <laughs> I mean, if, if we're honest, is it because the Israelites are so much more powerful or stronger or numerous than everybody else in the world? Actually, it's the other way around. Against all odds, they have stood the test of time as a people. Why? Because God said they would. And God keeps his promises. God told Abram not only that, but he said this entire earth will be blessed through you. And just like God made a covenant here with Abram. What I want us today in 2023 now to understand is that God has made a covenant with us as well. Every promise in the Bible is not to just Abraham's descendants. But God made a covenant with us that we, we celebrated last week at the Lord's table, this new covenant that was established in the blood of God's Son, Jesus Christ. And folks, just as Noah was saved by his faith in God's word to build an ark, and just as Abram was saved by his faith in God's word to follow him into a strange land and do all this, we too can be saved by faith in God's only Son who died for our sins 2,000 years ago. God keeps his promises. 
And I want somebody to hear this this morning, that God makes this promise in His Word that if you would confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and you would believe in your heart that God is raising from His dead, what did God promise? You might make it, right? He said, you're going to be saved. That is God's promise. So my question for you this morning is, is, is very simple. Have you done that? Even if you're watching online this morning, have you ever trusted in Christ through faith for salvation? Understand that Jesus is God's plan for us to be saved. There is no other way. There's not a plan B or a plan C. It's Jesus or nothing. And you can be saved today that simple by having faith in Him. Now, for those of us who have been saved, because I'm looking around and I think there's a lot of saved people here this morning, I want to ask you this question. Is there something in your life that's still separating you from God? Now, Audrey would say, that's sin, and you need to get rid of it. Even these small things that we think are not that big of a deal, grudges, hate, anger, Some little simple thing that you just tried to overlook and say, well, that's just my thorn in the flesh. No, that's a sin. And God's very serious about it. And if that's you this morning, you need to get over that, get rid of that, and follow God faithfully. Would you stand together as we close this morning? Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, that, Lord, through it all, you had a plan. A plan for, for our benefit, for our salvation. And God, we certainly never deserved it. And we could never earn it. But God, I'm thank you that you, thankful that you made it so simple. That God, we don't have to go through all these steps. We don't have to do all this stuff to try and earn our way to you or earn our way to heaven. <laughs> God, it takes childlike faith. Just childlike faith. Faith like a five-year-old that realizes I need to be saved because I'm not saved and I want to go to heaven instead of hell and be with Jesus. And God, maybe there's someone here this morning. They've never done that. They've never invited Christ into their life. They've never given their will and their ways over to Jesus and been saved. And God, if that's someone, I pray to the Lord today you'd save them. And God, maybe there's a few in here that way. God, there's probably even more. We've been saved. We claim to follow you. But we've still got some stuff in our lives that we need to get rid of. We're not following you the way that we're supposed to follow you. There's something hindering our relationship. And God, I pray you would take that away from us this morning. And forgive us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning as we sing a song of invitation, if you need to be saved, if there's a decision you need to make, Or if you just simply want to come to this altar and just pray to God this morning or have me or Pastor Shane pray for you, why don't you come as we sing? Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at BarbervilleFBC or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.